Lisboa. So twice now in the last couple of weeks, our government has sent a guided warship off the coast of uh, China. The latest is uh, is this one. We're going to put it up on the screen. See it right there? That's the USS uh, Port Royal, a uh, Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser whose presence so close to China's shoreline seems to be really ticking off uh, the Chinese government. They call it a clear provocation. And they ask, well, how would you like it? If we sent one of our guided missile cruisers off the coast of Virginia or, say, Georgia or New York. The question, by the way, is not unfair, I think. Now, if you happen to live here in America, a country that's still the best form of government in the world, but whose media is now among the worst in the world, again, what I think, there's a really good chance that you know nothing about this story. And you will never know anything about this story because our media, to my point, doesn't tell you what our government does overseas. Unless the government sends them, the media, you know, the reporters, a press release and says to them, please report this as a press release written by the government. That's not journalism, by the way. So anyway, I digress. That cruiser, the one we just showed you, that you probably know nothing about, you should know you paid for it. You sustain it. Your friends, maybe your family may be on board serving. And if a war were to break out because of its actions, it's you or your daughter or your sons who are going to go and fight in that war. It's not going to be the talking heads on Fox or MSNBC or the politicians who are constantly thumping their chests on camera about this kind of stuff. I mean, that's important, right? You should know, and you don't know. And you should be angry that you don't know. Here's the other thing. If our government right now is trying to provoke China into some form of military action, then, well, I'll tell you this, both precedent and recent history may suggest that that could work. And that's not good. Because a country that feels threatened is more likely to act. So the question is, are we going to provoke China into invading Taiwan? That's the question. I mean, you've seen what happened when Russia invaded Ukraine and all that has transpired since then. What if tomorrow China attacked its Ukraine, which is Taiwan, by the way? And you, you want to know what I mean when I say that a provocation can often lead to an attack or an invasion. This is what I mean. A live fire military exercise with 28 US allies. Just a few months before Russia invaded Ukraine, our government led, conducted military exercises in the Black Sea. Russians vacationing on the uh, beach could literally see these simulated battles that were playing out in full view of these tourists. And this thing was massive, by the way. More than 5,000 troops. Can you imagine? 32 ships. There were like 40 aircraft, uh, 18 uh, special uh, ops units. Uh, there were dive teams uh, all, all out there conducting these war games. 
And by the way, this thing went on for like a full two weeks. Again, can you imagine something like that? Stop and think for a minute that suddenly there's these war games taking place where the Chinese military, I don't know, the Cuban military, uh, Russian military, and their troops are playing these war games off the coast of Miami Beach. Now, President Putin, who had already established his political fortune as a victim of so-called U.S. and NATO aggression, um, it's the same book he's constantly reading from, right? He took note, and then he took advantage. So back then, when this attack was taking place on the Black Sea, he came out and he started warning that this would not end well, and this was a clear provocation. Sound familiar to what the Chinese are saying this week? He said it was a clear provocation, even ordered his military to fire warning shots at the U.S. coalition ships. Do Americans even know that this happened, by the way? Russia's claims that it dropped bombs in the British ship's path and fired warning shots. But the Russian military did threaten to attack. If you don't change the course, I'll be fired. Do you know that this happened? Do you know? Did you know this? Did you know that we had these military exercises off the coast of of, of Russia in the Black Sea? Did you know that Putin had his military fire warning shots at two British uh, ships? Did you know that? I don't know. I just got here. Of course not. Not unless you read the back pages of some newspaper somewhere. <laughs> I know. What's the newspaper? <laughs> so what happened less than a year after that incident that you did not know about? This. <laughs> It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. Yeah, that's the invasion of Ukraine, and the rest is history. Blame? There's plenty to go around, but as I have found out in my marriage, it solves nothing, almost every time. So what's missing? What might be helpful in this situation? Context. Context. Ah, yes. The facts, the history, the perspectives. That, the, that, the, the, that's what contextualizes a story. I get passionate talking about this. We as Americans, do we get this context? Good luck. Really, good luck looking for it. I've been a journalist now for more than 40 years, and I'm generally not allowed to work on corporate channels because I believe in context, and they don't. So if you don't mind, Here's my personal take on all of this. Sometimes it's better to understand this from a human perspective. Growing up in a barrio in South Florida as a Latino immigrant kid, me and uh, my homies, you know, mis socios, mis vatos, we were always getting into trouble for doing all kinds of stupid crap, right? We catch frogs, we catch lizards. That's kind of common in South Florida, they're everywhere. And, and we would literally throw them at people. We would steal bubble gum. Uh, at the convenience store from those baseball card uh, wrappers, right? Um, we even tried to take the tires off of what we thought was an abandoned car once. Who knows why we would do something like that? And by the way, what the hell were we going to do with the tire afterwards? Sit on a street corner and try to sell it to somebody? Here, come buy this tire. I don't know. You're kids, right? You're dumb. You do stupid stuff. But this I knew, right? When my dad would find out and he always did. What I had done, he would take me to task. Latino dads are tough. But wait, you know who's even more tough? You know who's worse? 
Latino moms. My mom, she would kick my ass. She took no prisoners. You screw up in her house and she will call you out. And she doesn't care who's listening. She will tell the world what a disappointment you are. And you know what? That hurts when mom says that. But there was this one kid on our block. There's always one, right? There was this one kid on our block. His name was Manuel, whose parents, they were just the opposite of my mom and dad and most people's moms and dads. To them, we were all bad. And he, Manolito, he was perfect, right? Whatever he did, it was just right. And if he ever did anything wrong, well, it's because he was coaxed into it somehow by the rest of us, of course. They never called him out. He was never punished like the rest of us were punished. And eventually, the rest of us kind of stopped doing what we were doing. You know, all that stupid crap that we were doing. But Manuel, Manolito, he just kept on keeping on, man. He kept doing that stuff. Until one day we learned that uh, Manuel was in jail. I'll tell you this, I am happy that my mom and dad, my parents kicked my ass when I screwed up. And I now realize that in an almost ironic way, they were protecting me and keeping me from a life of stupid so that I didn't end up like Manuel. And today I criticize and I hold my kids accountable. You know why? You know why I tell my kids when they do something wrong? You know why I call them out? You know why I point out their mistakes? Because I love them. Because I love my kids. I also hold my country accountable as a journalist. You know why? Because I love my country. Our corporate media, the place where you get your news too often, they're Manuel's parents. They're Manuel's parents. Now, I'll have you know that not everybody agrees with me on this. In fact, you're about to hear from someone who completely disagrees with my point of view on this. Gordon G. Chang is the author of The Coming Collapse of China, and he's good enough to join us now to have this conversation. Thanks for joining us, Gordon. Let me start with this. These uh, warships off the coast of China, China sees it as a provocation. Are they right to see it as a provocation? And should we worry that they might pull a Ukraine here with Taiwan? They could easily pull a Ukraine with Taiwan, um, but they have no right to worry about U.S. warships. Um, this is international water, uh, South China Sea, Taiwan Strait. And if the U.S. has had any consistent foreign policy from the beginning of our country, it's been the defense of the global commons, which is what we're doing. So we sail in the South China Sea, we sail Taiwan Strait and elsewhere, um, because we want to make sure that these bodies of water and the airspace are available to everybody. Now, China believes that, um, it's, it's the, that these bodies of water are part of uh, they call blue national soil. Um, but their mm -hmm. view is that um, they're the only sovereign state in the world, which is ludicrous. They're even talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign Chinese territory. So um, we just can't accept that, of course. But, but what about our credibility? I mean, when you consider that we have ex been extremely expansionist of late, and I, and I take your point, and it's a good one, 
about the fact that we have navigation rights in those waters. But given what we did in Iraq, which was a disaster, given what we did in Afghanistan, another disaster, given the proxy war we have in Yemen, where 50,000 children have died, uh, in large measure because of our military hardware, uh, I could go on, Libya. Um, have we lost that higher place in the argument where we could turn to China and say, tough luck, our military has a right to be here, given what they can point to, that we have, for lack of a better term, Gordon, screwed up? Well, the U.S. has screwed up. There's, there's no question about it. But that's not relevant to freedom of navigation. You know, Afghanistan, um, I, I, there's a lot that can be said, but we got to remember that the Taliban, when they were running Afghanistan, gave sanctuary to a terrorist group that attacked the United States. Um, well, no, no, obviously, but 20 years later, we were still there doing what? Blowing up rocks after uh, the Taliban's leader, who we really went in there to get, was long gone? And I mean, and I'm not here to, you know, to have sure. an argument over Afghanistan. My, my general point is countries like China and others will look at us and say, you guys are bullies. You're a hegemony. You're, you, 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 your military expansionism is out of control. And no, we're not going to take you guys sending your warships, you know, a couple of miles off of our beach where our tourists are vacationing. Uh, and we're just not going to we're not going to we're not going to cotton to that anymore. We're, we're going to we might start fighting back. And that's what I'm worried about. Well, China sails right by our shores. They even sail through our territorial water. And we don't complain um, because that's considered to be an innocent passage under international law. So uh, China can't have it. But both that's ways. different. But that's different. That's different than military exercises. We're no, they, they, they sail we're their... shooting things. We're. They sail their warships right, right through our territorial water. China has this view um, that these these bodies of water that are, are peripheral to China's coast are, are actually China's, and 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 that is indefensible um, from an international point of view. It's it's in it's actually indefensible from China's own treaty obligations. So we can't accept that, and and the countries in the region don't accept it either. So we're not doing this just on our own. We're not the only country that does but, these countries, freedom of navigation operations. Well, two things on that. Whatever other countries do, it's because we tell them what to do. And the fight, the might of our country has led us to a place now where we can create a coalition where people follow us because they know they have to follow us because of the U.S. dollar. But more to the point, and let me give you a very specific example that I find disconcerting. And it's this. About six months before the war in Ukraine, where Putin invaded Ukraine, um, we had military exercises on the Black Sea. And they were vast military exercises. And they almost seemed provocational in terms of the number of ships, what we were doing. We had divers, military exercises, helicopters flying in and around, buzzing people who were on the coast there. Again, tourists on the beach. I've got a reputation for liking to put on shows in front of tourists on the beach. At the time, Putin went crazy. He fired warning shots. He said, how would you like if we were doing something like this off the Gulf of Mexico? And lo and behold, six months later, the guy invades Ukraine. This is what I'm talking about, that it gets to a point where you, you put stuff like this in front of somebody's face. As an American who loves my country, and I also love our economy and I love this world, I get worried that we might be pushing these guys too much and that they might do what, you know, what Putin just did. 
How about you? Well, yeah, you know, Putin was going to invade Ukraine regardless. I mean, he actually invaded Ukraine in 2014. Um, he invaded Georgia in 2008. Um, the Black Sea is international water. Um, and uh, countries there want us to be there. Um, so, you know, I don't think that there's a relationship between those two things. Um, it, well, it, Russia didn't want us to be there. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, and, and, and sure, it's international water, but come on. I mean, does that mean that Russia, Cuba, China, and Iran tomorrow could show up with their heaviest hardware, their biggest warships, their planes, their helicopters off the coast of Miami Beach and start firing off rockets and doing military exercises? And the question has to be asked, Gordon, how the hell would that go over with us here in the yeah. United States? Throughout the Cold War, after the Cold War, um, Russia and China have sailed very close to our shores. Um, this, is, this is just a principle. Sailed, 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 sailed. sailed. There's a diff. Come on, let's be intellectually honest here. There's a difference between sailing and firing off rockets and being there for two weeks during military exercises that look like war yeah. games. That's that's yeah, what we're doing. That's what we're doing in the South China Sea. That's yeah, what we did in the Black Sea. You know, I don't know about the Black Sea exercise, but we don't really fire munitions in the South China Sea. China does that, um, but we don't. Hmm. I worry though. I really do. Um, as much as I love my country, the United States of America, and will defend it at all cost, I think sometimes we do things less for the sake of our security and more for the sake of these, this, this, this massive war machine that we've created in this country. You know, the Raytheons of the world and all these guys, the Boeings who make so much money, all of these senators and congressmen who take huge amounts of money from these uh, military contractors. I just can't help but, I may be wrong, Gordon, and you're the expert, not me. I wonder sometimes if we push these countries and either to the brink of military or act, uh, of war, pardon me, to the brink of war or actually all-out war, not because it's particularly good, like Iraq wasn't, but because it's profitable. Should I be concerned about that? There are a lot of things to be concerned about, Rick, but I don't think that uh, defense contractors are pushing the U.S. into hostile policies. Um, I think the real problem that we have seen is yeah. a failure to maintain deterrence. Deterrence has broken down because bad actors, that includes Russia and China and their proxies, believe that the United States won't defend the international system and that therefore they can invade their neighbors. And that has really been unfortunate. We've seen China uh, recently um, put its troops into India. It has nothing to do with the U.S. Um, that's an aggressive action. Killed 21 Indian troopers. Um, China's encroached on Bhutan, on Nepal. Uh, oh. It's encroached on Japan um, and, of course, Taiwan's airspace. Um, this this really is very dangerous, Rick. Um, and it doesn't have it's any. A, it's a chicken. It's 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 a chicken and egg thing, though, isn't it? Is 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 China behaving badly because we're pushing them to behave badly, or are we reacting to China because they're bad actors and we have to push them as a result? It's almost like. 
I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out which one of those is true. Help me understand that. Answer that question for me. Yeah, China is a bad actor. It's a militant state. And um, a, lot of its, it, a lot of its aggressive actions have absolutely nothing to do with the U.S., but China does this. It's the same thing with North Korea and the same thing um, to a certain extent with Russia. Um, these, these are actions mm-hmm. which uh, are not provoked by the U.S. I, I actually think that if the U.S. were to take a stronger stance, we would have maintained the peace. We would not have had the invasion of Ukraine this year. Um, but unfortunately, the Biden administration was not able to maintain deterrence for a number of reasons. Um, so, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we did everything we could to piss the guy off. We literally have, uh, NATO is on his doorstep and he's been saying, guys, you're, you're, I can smell your breath, not to mention your missiles. We did everything possible in Ukraine, uh, except possibly, you know, send our troops into there. It seems to me, not to defend Putin, obviously, because the guy's a, you know, a jerk, and everything that he's done is absolutely wrong. But it's, if, if the argument you're making is we were so nice to him and look, he was so mean to us. Gordon, seriously? Come on. Yeah, no, we, we prevented Ukraine from joining NATO. We prevented Georgia from joining NATO. You know, the Eastern European countries and now um, Finland and Sweden, they wanted to join NATO because of Russian aggressiveness. You know, this is something, mm-hmm. and, and the United States actually offered NATO membership to Russia after the Cold War. Um, it's just the nature of that regime. Um, so this had nothing to do with the U.S. This has everything to do with Russian I, aggressiveness. I, I will say this, though, and this is one of the things that I uh, worry about, is this argument that I hear, this pounding, this drumbeat in the media, that we're good. We're awesome. We're great. Anything our military does is fantastic. And if we're doing it, it's because it's the right thing to do. And our enemies, they're all bad and always bad. And if they're doing it, it's bad. So we got to act. I just don't think the world is that black and white. And maybe um, I'm just not willing to be that naive to think that everything we do is great and everything they do is bad. And that's almost the... The, the general argument that I've come to, and it's what I teach my kids to think of when they look at all situations, whether it's foreign policy, domestic politics, or even the relationships that they're in. Tell me how I'm wrong. There are regimes that are inherently aggressive. And it's, it's unfortunately, we have to deter them. And if we can't deter them, then we've got to um, stop their aggression. And, and I don't like it. Um, but I think that, um, you know, we have seen throughout uh, the 20th and our century the failure of the West to deter um, aggressive actors. Um, and China and Russia right now are aggressive actors. Gordon G. Chang, the author of The Coming Collapse of China. This has been a really good argument slash conversation, which is what People should do in this country on topics like this. And we're honored that you were kind enough uh, to have this conversation with us. Thanks, Gordon. You're a good man. Appreciate well, I'm honored to be on your podcast. So thank you, Rick. I, I appreciate it. And you're right. This is an extremely dangerous time. This is perhaps the most dangerous time in history. Wow. Important words. God bless, my friend. Take yeah. care. Thank you. You too. 
check out my podcast. Follow it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, And stay connected with us right here on YouTube, where you can look for bonus content. And there's nothing like a little attitude. So let's do this. Nothing. The Rick Sanchez Latitude is a production of Agua Media, created, hosted, and executive produced by Rick Sanchez. You can find a full list of credits in our show notes. Agua. 